Between the kids being home and hosting, everything in our house gets used up in summer. With Instacart, I can save money by stocking up on all my favorite summer brands. I save time by getting everything delivered in as fast as an hour. And I save myself a sink full of dirty dishes by stocking up on paper plates for the annual summer cookout. Save more on summer essentials? Spend more time enjoying summer. Add summer to cart. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host, Eric, alongside with expert analyst, Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey, everybody. It's Eric alongside Rod. We're here to talk about Michigan State's 63-61 win over the Iowa Hawkeyes at the Breslin Center on a snowy Thursday night here in East Lansing. Uh, but before we begin, I just want to thank new supporter Brian McClure, who joined the Scott Skiles on the Patreon to get support us monthly. Thank you so much for Brian. And for all of those you support us on Patreon, we really appreciate it a lot. You guys are awesome. And if you want to support the show, you think, hey, you guys are pretty good. I see all the work you're putting in, and I really appreciate the content. Head on over to the final four is on the schedule.com slash support. And there you can find ways either to one-time gifts or you can do it a monthly recurring way. Uh, also, since we're talking about support, we want a big shout out to nudge printing. Uh, they've been really great. And um, we're actually gonna have some more features coming up pretty soon, especially with our t-shirts and stuff, but we'll get into that a little bit more once there, once we get that all finalized. But I, you know, encourage you to go over to nudge printing. I was wearing my, <laughs> I was wearing my, so I, my problem is I don't have actually a white shirt for, for a whiteout. It wasn't a whiteout today, but so I actually have one of the nudge printing vintage, um, soft sweatshirts, which is really great. It's nice and, uh, it's not real bulky and stuff, but I don't know how I was, had an ice cream sandwich and I looked down about with 10 minutes left in the game. I just am covered in chocolate. I, it's almost like, wow. It's almost like I had a candy bar that and, it, and it was, me. and it was white. It's yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's it's not. I think technically white. It's like super light uh, gray. You know, for this gray. <laughs> Same difference. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, I've got like chocolate chip. I must have had like ten chocolate chips following me. Uh, the chocolate chip sandwich was cookie was great in multi moments, but man, I don't know what happened. I I looked down. I was like, it almost yeah. I pretty embarrassing um because i felt like i got it all in my mouth but i guess obviously i missed you gotta when you're when you're dealing with that color garment and that kind of food you gotta be conscious at all times because they're just magnets <laughs> and you know it's after labor day i shouldn't even be wearing white right i you know that's well I, is that... you get an ex, you get an exception for a michigan state home game <laughs> so uh, I'd encourage you to check out Nudge Printing and their, their um, Spartan Apparel. They've got all kinds of other schools in Michigan, like Elma and Calvin, Central, Eastern, Lake State, maybe even Michigan Tech, Northern Michigan, Northwood University, which is, I think that's up in Traverse City. Uh, Oakland. Northwood? Yeah. Did you say Northwood? That's yeah. in uh, Midland. Oh, Midland. Okay. Northwood University and then Oakland and Sa- even uh, Saginaw Valley State. So really kind of almost all the schools uh, covered Western and Wayne too. Uh, so you can head on over there. Uh, they've got all kinds of different shirts and stuff and really high quality stuff, uh, which, you know, they've got tons of five-star reviews. I mean, it's a really great place. Gabe and Brittany, 
MSU alums. They set it up all Michigan based and built printed here and you can't go wrong. So listeners of the show do get 20% off at checkout. So just enter the code final four off in your order and you can enjoy the extra savings as you wear pretty sweet stuff, especially the, the licensed vintage stuff. So can't miss with nudge printing. All right. So let's talk about this game a little bit. Uh, final was 63, 61. So both teams under their scoring average, Michigan State was coming off kind of a losing streak in some ways. They lost three of four. Uh, and so a game they definitely needed. Both teams strangely got stuck on 59 points near the end of the game. I mean, I think Michigan State edged Iowa out four to two in the last four or five minutes. I'm not exactly sure. Again, Michigan State got off to a slow start. They were down eight, nothing, uh, and nothing. Yeah. What's well, 10, nothing. Yeah. T- five, ten nothing. yeah. Five minutes in the game or so it was, and it wasn't like I was shooting the lights out. Michigan State just couldn't do anything. But Chris Murray held to 11 points on uh, five of 13 shooting oh for five from the from three. And what was not even at all in our keys. I mean, there are a lot of things. One thing is Aaron Euless was he was just tearing Michigan State apart, especially whenever he got um, Trey Holloman. He ends up with 17 points, although he had six turnovers with only three assists. Um, Lee Hall came back. That was a huge news. And he he looked like he had left. I mean, he, he didn't look like he had. He hadn't been, it looked like he had been practicing everything and he looked good. Aikens with a couple steals. He looked really good defensively. Uh, And then, you know, Iowa in general was miserable from, from three point range. They shot less than 20%, uh, which was some, I think a lot of it, you have to give to Michigan state, but also um, they just missed some open ones. And that last play when Michigan state was up two, great play, great uh, drawn up perfectly a Sanford wide open three and he misses it to give Iowa the lead. So Michigan state ends up winning the game at the, on the last play. I mean, a lot of things to talk about and a lot of things we sort of didn't predict, which is kind of the fun thing about basketball, right? You have no idea what you're going to get one night to the next. Yeah. Um, so Tom Izzo's post game, uh, he dusted off an old Judd line. He said, um, you know, maybe it's better to win ugly than to lose pretty. It definitely is. <laughs> yeah. And, and as he, he also put it, he said, you know, MSU's lost a couple games that they deserve to win this one. They won a game. They probably deserve to lose, or at least, at least didn't deserve to win. Right. I would go that far. Um, because, and, it, and it's not that Iowa really outplayed them. It's just that MSU had so many opportunities to win this thing, to put it away and just couldn't make plays Yeah, because they got really a terrible game from AJ Hogard. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade and he has not been playing very well lately. So that's got to change if this team's trajectory is going to go upward. Now over the bulk of the season, you've got a lot of evidence to suggest that that probably is going to happen. But and I'm not even talking about the missed free throw. I just mean overall, that was a bad game from him. Yep. And MSU can't have that. They just can't have it. Um, they were very fortunate to sneak out of there with a win on a day where he played that way. Um, so that was very disappointing. I mean, there there were I say all of that, and yet there were some very good things that Michigan state did. I think first and foremost, I look at the job that they did on Chris Murray. Yeah. 
Fantastic. And that was part Hogarth, too, to his credit. I mean, I think he was actually pretty good on Murray, too. He, he did. You're right. Um, he contributed there. He was part of it. I, I thought they were at their best when Malik was guarding him. No Correct. surprise. But uh, but you're right. AJ did a job. Aikens had him at times. I mean, there were different people who guarded him, Joey. And to hold him, not just to, what do you have, 10 points? 11 points, um, yeah. Okay, so 11 points, right? He got the one free throw to 11 points. So essentially 10 points under his average. They also held him 5 to 13 shooting from the floor. So the percentage was low. But not only that, his attempts were about two and a half lower per game than he gets up. Now, you Mm -hmm. might not think that's such a big deal in a two point game. That's a big deal. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and and especially a game where, you know, it, to me, it felt like, you know, Iowa always goes to him a lot, but it felt like they might really go to him a lot and Michigan. And it wasn't Iowa, not trying to it's Michigan state prevented them. Yeah. Oh, no question from doing so Michigan state guarded him exceptionally. Well, that's not the case for everybody. You mentioned if Michigan state had lost that game due to a career night from Aaron freaking Ulysses, <laughs> I would have lost my marbles. That's the, that was just, I can't figure it out. I mean, you mentioned Trey Holloman had real problems and Trey's been really good defensively this year, but you're right. He just, there was something about Aaron Ulysses that he could not figure out because Ulysses dusted him to the point where I felt you really couldn't play Trey. And and they didn't play him down the stretch. If you notice, there was a segment in the second half where Hogard was playing miserably. They had to get him out. And instead of going with Trey, which has normally, especially as we've gotten further into the season, has normally been the pattern because there's a high level of trust with him. Instead, MSU went to a Tyson Walker, Jaden Aikens guard combo and then went big with Malik Call at the other wing. And that was, I think, because Trey just didn't have it tonight. No big deal in the long run, but for tonight, it sucked. And everybody else who guarded that kid sucked. The only thing that was that was good is they were able, and you mentioned this, they were able to force them into six turnovers. They forced Iowa into 13 turnovers as a team. Yeah, that a was a that. big deal. Yeah. Very big deal. And MSU only committed 10. Big deal. So... I start with the defensive job on Chris Murray, I think was a really good thing. The turnover, um, the turnover bit was also, um, was also significant. As I mentioned 13, but MSU had 10 steals, 10 steals. Yeah. And I got it. You know what? I got to give AJ credit here. He did have four steals. He, he had one assist to three turnovers. He was three for 12 from the floor. One for three at the line, or I'm sorry, 0 for one from the line. Big one. Only had three rebounds. I did not think he played well, but four steals is four steals. Yep. So I'll, I'll give him, which goes along with what you were talking about when he guarded Murray as well. I'll give him credit for what he did on the defensive end. Offensively, he was a mess. Um, but I, I think the turnover story was a big deal. Um, and then a, a very, very big differential here, no question about it, was from three. Yep. Iowa, you mentioned, three for 17. And MSU guarded them into a lot of that, in oh, my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Not the last, the second to last miss, 
Right. Yeah. That was just a miss. And I'll go back to that in a second. But um, Iowa goes three for 17. Michigan State shoots eight for 20. There's your ball game. Yep. That makes up for a lot of MSU misses around the rim and Iowa conversions. It makes up for a lot of MSU missed free throws. It makes up for a lot of other areas where <laughs> Michigan State was just not good. Yep. Um, and, and then the last thing I'll say is, although, boy, they missed a ton of open looks down the stretch, the important thing was you mentioned that 4-2 to two scoring edge late. Two big shots from Tyson Walker and yep. Jaden Akins. Yep. Jumpers, you know. And MSU had to have them. Somebody had to step up and actually make an open shot. And those two guys did. Jaden's was actually a pretty tough shot. Oh my as I gosh. Recall. I can't believe that went in. I was Tyson's shocked. Tyson's was, you know, kind of what he can do. And yeah. it just barely missed being a three, if not for a right foot just on the line. They by the way, they did get that call right, yeah. in my opinion. Um, but uh that that differential from three was huge. And that's probably got to sting the average Iowa fan because I think they're you know, over the years, especially in recent years, they've probably gotten used to having that going the other way. And instead it was, it was Michigan state that was back to, you know, after a tough day at Indiana was back to being dialed in as the, the kind of jump shooting team that we know them to be. And they did just enough of it and prevented Iowa from doing well, just enough to get the win. Um, there were negatives, <laughs> The you know, we mentioned the layups. inability. What's that? <laughs> missing layups. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just, and, and look, I mean, it happens, but AJ Hogard, my God. Oh, that went right just down the lane. For a guy, yeah. for a guy who's been such a good finisher to blow several at the rim. He wasn't the only guy, but man, he, and they were big moments too. The one where he went just straight down the middle of the lane and had a finger roll and didn't put it down. I mean, that's just, that's the kind of stuff you just can't have. So that was a big problem. Um, as we said, the way they defended Ulysses really, really stuck in my craw, um, for as good as they were on Murray, they were that bad on Ulysses. Um, can I comment on the Euless thing? Because yeah. so I was watching, I was trying to figure out what was going on and they were doing sort of like a screen right at the, um, right at the elbow. And they usually yeah. with Mahdi and, and what Euless was really good. He was, he was cutting it right next to Sissoko. And so there's, and so he would cut off the guard and Sissoko would not rotate over to block him from going to the lane down towards the hole, uh, you know, the basket, partly because he can't, come off from Robracha, who was really tearing Michigan State yep. apart early too. So yep. he left he left Sissoko in a bad position, but Euless was very smart. Every time he had that, and I mean, he did it to Aikens. It wasn't just Holloman because Holloman wasn't out there the whole game, right? He did it to Aikens. He right. did it to Halt. Right. He did it to Hogard. I mean, so he he just, and it was the same play every single time. It was just where he just was using Sissoko right. almost as the screen to get himself to, to like seal. And I, I agree with that. It was a lot of it was coming off pick and roll, but you know what? You get at, at some point you got to figure it out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. Better. Yeah. And that was, that was a real problem. Um, cause that kid shouldn't be putting up 17 on you. No, it just shouldn't happen. No. Um, the last, the last possession for Iowa. Um, if you drew it up, 
other than maybe Chris Murray taking that shot just because he's your alpha. Yeah. But other than that, man, Iowa could not have asked <laughs> for a better guy and to be that wide open. That was awful yeah. from MSU. Just awful defensive execution. And thank God he missed it because that was, I mean, that wasn't OT. That was game over. Yeah, right. You know, um, and another heartbreaking loss at home would have been there if if Sanford misses that shot. Um, it was scary and and just not, not, not good execution. Um, the free throw performance, look, I mean, MSU's been shaky for several games running now. Just I've talked about A.J. Hogard. This is not a one-game deal. So is the MSU performance at the free throw line. This was the worst of them all. Um, 58% from the line. It was everybody. It wasn't just AJ. I mean, AJ missed a huge one and he missed it badly. So that's the one <laughs> people barely, are going to focus yeah, on. My, but, my free throw. But it was pretty much everybody um, who, uh, who was splitting, you know? Uh, nobody could hit two. Except Pierre. So, right. <laughs> except Pierre. It's the only one. So that was, that was disappointing. But um, look, the bottom line is, you know, for as well as Michigan State played against Purdue, for as well as Michigan State played for basically 80% of the game at Illinois, um, for as well as they played against Gonzaga, those were all losses, right? So they yep. go into the record book on the in the wrong column. And this one, for as much as they struggled in certain ways, goes into the right column. Yeah. So you'd rather have that. It's just it's it's disappointing to not see them play better and to not see them play better on a night where, as, as you said, Malik Hall comes back and Malik Hall plays well. Yeah, he looked good. I mean, Malik Hall, as you said, it didn't look like he missed a beat. I mean, that first bucket he scored where he took, I think it was McCaffrey into yeah. the lane <laughs> and and used his pivot foot, created space and just drained it from about 12 feet. That was pure. I mean, that was, that's a pro move. It really is. Yeah. Um, and he was really good. Now he was more effective. You know, he ended up with 11, I think, and seven of them came in the first half, but, um, Malik played well. And, and so, uh, a little bit unfortunate that on a night when Malik played well, and I thought Madi played his best game in several weeks, yeah, double, double. even with the even with the early struggles he had against Robracha, he hung in there. And in the second half, Robracha didn't do very much. And Madi was a factor. I mean, yep. Madi ended up. I want to check the numbers here Four, yeah. well, not just that four offensive rebounds. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it was coming in the second half where I really felt like he was imposing his will against Robracha and Robracha ended up with 16 and 11. So he had a nice night, but, a lot of that damage came early when it was, when it was down the stretch, I thought Madi was the better player. Do you think it Robracha? I mean, so I th what I thought was interesting is the substitution patterns were a little bit different for Iowa than normal. I mean, Robracha and Chris Murray both played 38 minutes. I mean, they were, they played the entire game and I think that contributed a little bit to that, to Madi, who's only had played 20 some minutes. Yep. So he was fresher at the end of the game, which just gave him a little bit of that edge, sure. right? Absolutely. I think, I think that's entirely possible. I mean, you can never, you can never know with a hundred percent certitude, but, but yeah, I think that's, I think you're right. And that is one of the reasons, you know, this has been a long running debate. 
interestingly, not this year, interestingly, it, Tom Izzo's taken heat from certain segments of the fan base for not having enough of a bench. Usually the complaint is he plays too many guys. <laughs> Funny how that works, yeah. right? But, um, but regardless, the reason that he prefers to do it, and even this year, is still pushing it, I think, as much as he can with getting those three freshmen in there regularly, not giving up on Pierre Brooks. The reason he does it is for exactly what you're talking about. That's the reason why. It's he wants his guys to be fresh down the stretch because he knows most Big Ten games, or a lot of them at least, are going to be played in a fairly tight window. And so how well you're able to perform in the last you know, eight minutes of a game may come down to what kind of condition your guys are in, how much they got in the tank. Yeah. And I do think you're probably right. I think that Mahdi had more energy and, and that made a difference, but I'm just glad to see Mahdi play well again, especially on the glass. I mean, that's the points, you know, are nice, but they're kind of incidental for him in my view. I don't care that much about them. I care about what he does defensively and I care about what he does as a rebounder first and foremost. And if he's competitive in those areas, Michigan state's getting out of him, what they need to get out of him. And boy, they needed it tonight because with all the strides that Jackson Kohler and Carson Cooper have made and they're real, I think I mentioned this one of our recent podcasts about those guys. It's not going to be a hockey stick trajectory. Right. It's not just a smooth path up to all American status, you know, and <laughs> yeah. tonight, neither one of those guys was really up to it. I mean, Jackson, Jackson competed, uh, on the glass. He did. He just had a couple of rebounds, just kind of off his fingertips. He just couldn't corral anything, but you know, he, it was pretty clear to me that this was a night where it was mostly Mahdi or bust. Right. And they would play, and Michigan State had to play small a number of times. If you look at the minutes, you see Sissoko playing 26, Kohler 7, Carson Cooper 3. You know, that doesn't add up to 40. So they definitely played small ball a couple they times. They did have there. some, they did have some segments where they went with, um, they went with Joey and Malik as the big man combo. Right. And that just shows you the versatility and the, I mean, how important it is to have Malik Hall who can guard. Oh yeah. Right. One 100%. through one. I mean, not one through five, but like two through five, probably pretty easily. And maybe you could argue he even could guard a one for a little bit. So uh, he was, he was the difference. Right. And, and you know, if you're Iowa, you're looking at your starters that all played almost 35, 36 minutes. I mean, side of Perkins, who was, who did really nothing. He was pretty useless out there on the, the floor. Um, they definitely need Patrick McCaffrey back. And so I think, you know, the game in Iowa city is going to be a lot different assuming Patrick's back by that point. And that was something we got wrong because we thought he was going to play. Were you surprised? I was going to ask you, were you surprised? I kind of was just based on what I was reading. Yeah. You know, so I was talking about this, with my wife, cause we were listening to the interview with Fran McCaffrey before the game, you know, that they, they have that on the radio mm-hmm. and, and Fran's like, yeah, he's not going to go today. You know, we're, he's working his way back in and I'm not surprised cause it was a coaches against cancer. And that's always like an extra thing with, you know, Patrick, it's like this big, Everett's his big yeah. deal about him. You know, he had cancer. Yes, he survived, whatever. Um, and also it, it would make more sense for him to come back in his first game when they're home. So I, I'm not surprised they've got two home games coming up. I wouldn't be surprised to see him start the next game, but, 
Yeah, they definitely need him back. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. point. Why don't Why don't you explain a little bit? Because some of our listeners may not realize what you meant by that that reference to him and this this game being particularly significant. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a coaches against cancer. So uh, his dad, Fran McCaffrey and his mom is, they're both on boards and they do a lot of sorts of cancer work with NCAA basketball and raising money for cancer. And he's a survivor of cancer. I think it was a thyroid cancer and yep. he missed actually, he missed a season pretty much because of that. And, and, you know, he's been through a lot, I think, and it's, we've talked about it before. I think his temperament's different than his brother, Connor. And uh, you know, it's just, I, I think there's a lot of extra attention and certain people, and I think Patrick's probably one of them. Just it doesn't help to have all that extra attention. You know, it's it's it seems like every other game that they the announcers are always talking about him getting through cancer. And I think it's I th- I'm guessing I'm just this is speculation that it'd be nicer known as to be a basketball player who happened to have cancer rather than a cancer survivor who's playing basketball. And I think he's he often and so it might have been easier in this game to just sort of not have that focus on there. Yeah, fair, fair enough. I think that's a really good point. You might be right. Um, yeah, and it's a shame, too, because the kid's a good basketball player. Oh, yeah, I mean, we talked good. in the preview about his his seasonal averages. I mean, he could play. And and look, if they had him, you probably don't see Murray and Robracha playing 38 minutes each, right? Oh, no way. Because they, yeah. they just can't live. Without, I mean, they just don't have any other options. I mean, we did. I don't believe we saw Mulvey at all tonight. No, he didn't play. No, and and I mean, their bench was their bench was terrible because as soon as they went to the bench, Michigan State just tore them to ribbons. And they had they sat those two minutes and was like, okay, we have Dix out there and Sanford, and they just got killed. Six points from Iowa's bench. Michigan State boosted by Malik Call, thirteen, so more than doubled them up. I mean, it's not like Michigan State's bench was a world beater, but. <laughs> They got enough out of Malik um, to make a difference there, but uh, yeah, that's a really good point. And I, I in retrospect, I, I think you're, I think you're right that 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 might well be a reason why, um, you know, he didn't suit up tonight. But it definitely makes a difference uh, for them, clearly. But <laughs> Michigan State fans and Michigan State's program. Oh, apologies to no one. <laughs> no, no tears uh, from us no. on these fronts. So, yeah, I'm not crying, but, you know, hopefully for him, he gets back soon and uh, and is able to play. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the last thing I, I mentioned about this game, too, and the, again, this is this sort of was revealed during the, the pregame on the radio where Izzo was talking about Pierre Brooks. I mean, he made it sound like he's going to play sitting for minutes. He's going to still have, you know, be out there and they still hope for the best and had a good week of practice, et cetera, et cetera. I would say he only had two points. He had, um, what do you have? A, he had one offensive rebound, 12 minutes. I mean, not world beating, but tell you what, he didn't look like he, any assist. He didn't look like he was lost out there. He didn't look like he gave up open looks. I was always worried when he's out there and he really was not a liability like he's been in the past couple of games. So, you know, hats off to him for improving a little bit on that end, I think. Best game he's played since before Malik Hall returned the first time. And, you know, the assist that he made, and I think it was to Mahdi, Yeah. Was really nice. Um, the uh, the two points that he got at the foul line were earned by an aggressive take to the basket. I don't, let me look at it. I it's, don't think he, he yeah, he it. didn't attempt a three. In he 12 minutes, he didn't, <laughs> yeah, he didn't attempt a three. So, now I want him to produce from three, and we know he's capable of doing that, but at the same time, 
you know, it's a sign of maturity, in my opinion, to keep it simple and do the things that are there to be done, make the plays that are there to be made. And I thought he did that. And yeah, defensively didn't look out of place. There were no obvious blown tires or, you know, failures of recognition or anything that's been plaguing him lately. So definitely a positive, you know, 12 reasonable quality minutes, I would say. So I'm, I'm glad you pointed it out because I think it deserved mentioning. And, you know, and I've been pretty, look, I've been pretty as rough as I can be on a Michigan state player, you know, and, and so it's, it's absolutely appropriate to give him credit when it's due. And I think it was, I thought he made some nice contributions in this game. Yeah. I mean, you were fairly skeptical that he'd see hardly any minutes, you know, once Malik came back and Malik played 25, I mean, 25 minutes. Exactly. So, which has surprised me. I didn't think he played that much. Well, you know, part of it, part of it, and it's not a one for one type of thing, but part of it was AJ played 29 minutes. So that's a little under what he normally would play. Um, Trey only played six. That's a little less than we've been seeing him play lately. And, and both of those guys, it was for good reason. Yeah, they weren't good. So yeah, <laughs> that probably in a, in a kind of a knock on effect created an opportunity for Pierre to play a little bit more, but I'll tell you what, he certainly didn't do himself any damage, right? Yeah. Which is the important thing, you know? Absolutely. Well, why don't we talk about the keys to the game here in just a moment after we come back from a message from our sponsor. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, the five keys of the game brought to you by Nudge Printing. I will begin with Chris Murray, and I think we went over this. I mean, they they bottled him up, and I think what was most impressive about them preventing Chris Murray from getting going is they brought just enough help, enough people stripping, enough people causing disruption whenever he would get in the lane because that's where he kind of does his most damage. He will hurt you from outside, but as long as you kind of hand his face and make it challenging, he's not a he's not a, th- a three-point shooter who's going to uh, hit – shots over you when there's like a real contest you know he's not like that kind of knockdown shooter yeah. you just it's when he's like left open or he gets comes off a screen or something and so they never made it easy for him and that's why he was over five and because I, I don't remember any of them being like open open uh and then when he no. went in the lane he had to work to get his buckets and i think you know one of them was an offensive rebound he kind of tapped in so they did a great job of just yeah and he got out. a couple of, he got a, he got a cheap one in transition yep. he got you know he got some of the ones he actually got were 
were uncontested. The, the majority of the time when Michigan State was guarding him in a half-court situation, it was tough. It was very tough for him. So, um, yeah, I mean, you, you could not have asked for anything more than what Michigan State got out of their defensive effort against him. And I, and I think it was a huge key to getting the win. There's, there's no way to overstate it. You hold him to five for 13 from the floor. And he's not a guy, maybe surprisingly, he's not a guy who shoots a ton of free throws, but Michigan State didn't let him do better than that. They limited him to three attempts. So that's another important thing. Not only do you hold his attempts from the floor down, but you don't, you're not, it, that didn't happen as a result of Michigan State just putting him at the line. You know, it was truly a limiting of what he can do. And 0 for 5 from 3, hey, you can't, you can't argue with that. So hats off to a bunch of guys, not just one guy, who did the job on him. It was a real team effort and uh, definitely a key to the win. So the number two key to the game was defensive rebounding. Uh, when you look at the rebounding stats, actually, it was kind of surprising. So both teams, you know, we were worried about Iowa offensive rebounding. They offense, uh, let's see, rebounding was 34% to the miss. They had 10 out of 38 misses. Michigan State was 32%. They had 12 of their 37 miss. So, um, or up, they had, of 37 rebounds, they had 12 offensive. So Michigan State did, you know, basically neutralized Iowa's. And they actually had more second chance points because of that too. That's the, that's what I was going to say. It was not a great job on the defensive boards by Michigan State, but it was respectable. Let's call it that. I think that's um, fair. <laughs> respectable, which, you know, after what's been happening lately was a sign of progress, I guess. Um, but the job that MSU did on its offensive boards and what each team was able to turn those extra shots into, that was big. Um, MSU was really, you know, we mentioned Madi kind of getting some things done on the offensive glass in the, in the second half. Um, that was major, you know, and so that sort of offset the slight edge in rebounding percentage on the offensive end to Iowa. Yeah. The number three key to the game was threes and, you know, Michigan state, not great. I mean, they're, they missed a bunch of open ones. They were 50% until they missed their last two at the end of the game. And, and, you know, Iowa's terrible. I mean, look, I hear you on that. And I, I agree, you know, people are going to look at this and say, well, Iowa played a pretty good game defensively. No, they didn't. <laughs> Michigan state missed a ton at the rim and they missed pretty much all of those 12 misses from three uh, were wide open. Oh yeah. I mean, in that segment at the end from under four, they just had open shot after open shot that just would not go down. That said, they were eight for 20. They shot 40%. <laughs> so they didn't shoot badly. They just, with the quality of look they got and the quality of shooters Michigan state has. Yeah. I could see where your gut might lead you to feel Eh, they weren't great because they probably should have been six kind of shooting the way they were against Rutgers. Yeah. That'd be 60% shooting um, for sure. If they were, and, Rutgers and that didn't happen, but I have a hard time saying it was a negative. No, when I you don't shoot yeah. 40%. Yeah. Um, you know, there were, there were stretches where MSU got hot. I mean, Joey Hauser had that run. Oh yeah. Uh, where 
he was just on fire and, uh, and that was huge for Michigan state. Um, really everybody who, who shot unlike some other games where it's a couple guys who kind of carry it and offset, say somebody else who has a, a bit of a struggle. Um, not the case in this one, um, Michigan state, pretty much everybody who took threes had a respectable night. I think AJ was one for three and he was the worst, but everybody else, you know, if you look at the numbers, like Joey was three for seven, you'll take that. Tyson was two for five. You'll take that. Um, yeah. Aiken's um, two for four. And then, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, one, but you know, whatever guys, yeah. Guys really did step up and, uh, yeah, Malik only was the only guy who, you know, at 0 for 1, he was the only guy who really didn't do a nice job shooting the ball. And then you you also have to throw in the fact that Iowa, not a great three-point shooting team, as we said, but look, they're, they're like 34-plus yeah. percent on the year. Michigan State just absolutely locked them down. I mean, 18% on the night, 3 for 17. That's that's a that's as I said earlier, that one area offset a lot of other things that Michigan State didn't do well, and it really did win them the game. And you know, you mentioned too many times that there is an element of luck with three point percentage. You want to try and prevent prevent attempts. However, there's no question. You look at the quality of attempts between Michigan State and Iowa in this game. There's vast difference, right? And so that's absolutely. Why that's why, Absolutely. yes, they're, yeah, they got a lot of temps up, but sometimes it's forced. There's nothing else that was going for them in their offensive uh, set. So, and, and you know what can happen um, when you do a good job guarding somebody for that length of time, sometimes even if they manage to get a great look like that last possession, yep, they're so out of rhythm that it doesn't matter in the end. And I mean, I think that I think you might, you might, if you're, if you're inclined to give Michigan state credit, that that might be one. I mean, Peyton Sanford, now he missed two there in the last possession to make it look worse, Yeah, but he was only one for five from three. That kid's been on absolute fire. We, we mentioned it in the preview previous five games. He was 13 for 26, 50%. And he hit that one in, uh, I guess it was the second half, but it was early in the second half where he was coming around a screen. He didn't really even set his feet. It was a, it was a, what I thought looked like a bad shot yeah, and he hit down. it. And I thought, oh boy, here we go. And it didn't happen because Michigan state did a really good job guarding him. And so when it came time for him to actually get an open look, you know, maybe that had a little something to do with it. The fact that Michigan state had guarded so well and Iowa just wasn't getting anything to fall in part because of that. And that allowed Michigan state to get the miss that they needed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, big, big deal. I, I think if you're looking for the two biggest things in this game, it was the job MSU did on Chris Murray and both ends, uh, from outside the arc. That's really what got MSU to win. So the fourth key of the game we had was guard play. So this is a kind of tough one to figure out because Hogard was not good. Halma was not good. But defensively, Hogard was, you know, I think he was pretty good. And Aikens was good both ends. He had a lot of steals. He, he had, what, four steals for the, or three steals for the game. Um, 
and you know Walker was solid defensively. So, but Ulis beat him pretty badly. But then McCaffrey and Perkins didn't do much of anything. So I don't know. I I guess you could maybe just call it a push. <laughs> uh, I give Michigan State the edge. Okay. Um, I give Michigan State the edge because, well, for starters, at winning time, who were the two guys who hit shots and Mich- won Michigan State the game? Tyson Walker, Jaden Akins. Um, so they made plays when they had to be made. Um, Iowa basically was a one trick pony in this game. I mean, Ulysses had a great game, but if we, if we look at their other guards and what they did, um, it was nothing. It wasn't a lot. I mean, Tony Perkins had six points. He only took five shots. It's weird for the floor. McCaffrey had five points. Sanford had five points. Bowen had one Dix didn't score. So that's 16, 17 from those guys. So 34 from all their guards. Michigan State gets um, 22, well, 29. I guess in, in point production, you'd give Iowa the edge. So maybe I spoke a little too soon. But um, I, I still think that in the end, Michigan State's guards were there to make big plays when they had to be made, and Iowa's did not. Yeah, no, I think that's true. Yeah, I think you listen the end. That last, his last sort of drive where he just turned it over, that really kind of, I don't know if that's the one that led to a jump ball, but uh, that's the one that he just it dribbled did, into. Yeah. yeah, he dribbled into a problem. And maybe it wasn't even yep. a turnover, that was just a jump ball. So, yeah. Um, well, I think that counts as a turnover. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I still, I, I guess, I guess if you, if you just look at it from a pure point scoring point of view, you can make a case for Iowa. But um, I, even on a night where, you know, Tyson sucked offensively and, uh, and Tyson or not Tyson, AJ sucked offensively. And although, you know, honestly, I was surprised when I looked at the stats and saw Tyson was four for 14. Missed a lot of layups. Because it felt, it felt to me like he played better than that. But obviously the numbers are what they are. On the other hand, five assists, zero turnovers. Um, as we said, Jaden stepped up and then you have to factor in the other thing, which has to be accounted for is the defense that Michigan state's three guys played relative to the defense. The kids from Iowa played. I think there's a difference. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. All right. So the fifth key to the game was, I don't know, you could argue it's the key to the game. And that was return of the fallen. Patrick McCaffrey did not return. Malik Hall did. And he looked like Malik Hall. And was steadying force yep. scored four assists, one turnover, misses one three. But other than that, uh, you know, he, his first free throw was pretty lousy, and then he was locked in at the next three. So I, you know, great game from him, especially just coming back from being out for so long. Big, big key. I mean, uh, to have him back, and again, look as comfortable as he did. Um, those contributions, both ends were immeasurable it just michigan state is just a better team and maybe that's about you know i had said oh, it was a shame it was this kind of game and it was this tight on a day where malik comes back and he plays well and Madi plays well but maybe the maybe the lesson i should be taking from this is malik call is so important that they could still win a game even when yeah I aj hogard is playing terribly and tyson walker just can't get shots to fall yeah. You know, maybe that's right. the better lesson. 
Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, we saw what we've seen the rest, the rest of the season. I mean, Malik Hall's, I think, played 10 of 21 games this season. So it's actually amazing to think that it's, he's hardly played and he hasn't even played half the games. And, and Michigan State's record in those games is eight and two. Yep. And I'm going to put an asterisk by the second one because I think it was in large part the fact that he got hurt, couldn't play that led to the loss at Illinois. Sure. I think if Malik sees that game out, it might have been a different result because I don't think Matthew Meyer gets going the way he did. I don't remember exactly how many points I was averages, but I think it's around 75 or 76 points yeah. a game. They scored 61. That is in large part due to Malik Hall, right? I mean, their, their defense is so much better when he's around because of his versatility. He can switch and he can guard anybody. It's due to two, it's due to two things. I think you're right to give him credit. It makes Michigan State, which is a pretty good defensive team at this point, even without him, it makes them even better. But um, I also think I'm glad you mentioned that because we didn't have it as a key, but I think it was in this game. Michigan State won the pace battle, and it is rare, rare that we talk about a Tom Izzo team and talk about pace, and we're not discussing <laughs> Michigan State wanting to get the game ramped up, right? Yeah, right. But in this case, that would not have played to their advantage. It wouldn't have been to their benefit to get into a wide-open game. And again, we we distrust the fast break points numbers, but um, I see Iowa showing with eight, Michigan State with 12. Even put that aside, I think the eye test told me it was no worse than a push there. And, and the fact that it didn't happen a lot either way probably was to Michigan State's benefit. You know, I mean, if Iowa's flying up and down the court, I suspect Chris Murray's getting the benefit of some of that. He's getting more easy ones. And if he had gotten even say another transition bucket or two, who knows what that might have changed in terms of the demeanor of the game. You know, there's, there's that, yeah. that old cliche about, oh, you just so-and-so just needs to see the ball go through the net. But there's truth. If you've played, you know, there's some truth to it. Sure. You, you can get yourself out of a slump and back in a rhythm just by seeing the ball go through the net. And it doesn't have to be a 20 foot jumper or a dunk. It can be something really easy and basic. It can even be free throws. And the fact that Michigan state didn't let that happen for Chris Murray, didn't let him get easy ones, including in transition. I think that helped the overall effort holding him down. Yeah. And I would say he is a slinky, uh, smooth player and he is definitely helped by having more spacing and in half court set yeah. you don't have that spacing like you do in a, a break situation he's much more he's he's much more dangerous in that break because he can do so many things he can pull up for three he can hit the he can drive all the way to the lane and get you in foul trouble or whatever score layups so that that was definitely a key to the game for them to, for michigan state to just prevent yep. that those runouts by iowa um so i guess what we'll do is we'll we'll call it a night probably because Michigan State will gear up in a couple of days. They're going to head down to West Lafayette, which is, I don't know, when's the last time they won there, like 1944 or something? I don't know. It seems like. <laughs> it's it's not that bad, but it's been a while. I'm trying to think. I don't I don't recall if Denzel's senior year, if they might have won down there. I'd have to, I'd have to look. We'll have to, we'll have to but look. It's, it's, sure. it's been a while.
there was a there was a brief period where painter about you know 10 ish so years ago eight to ten years ago he had he had a, a couple of years where there was a lull in in his program and in fact people have totally forgotten about this he was like an eyelash away from leaving and oh. taking the job at missouri because right. he was sick of dealing with their fan base um and uh and there were some other things i think there was some stuff about financial support for the program from the from the university you know some things he wanted and uh, it's been a long time but anyway there was a period of time there and then obviously there was a period um toward the end of gene katie's run where the program got bad for a few years there at the end mm -hmm. and michigan state probably i'd have to go back and look they probably won a few there but generally speaking i was just saying this on the spartan magbo before we started recording um, you know, I've been paying attention for about 45 years. There is no building that has been tougher on Michigan state. There is no Michigan state superstar who hasn't lost and <laughs> oftentimes lost badly. Think about yeah. Cassius Winston with two great teams, his junior and senior year and Michigan state got waxed Yeah, the second time by a Purdue team that was not good. His junior year, Purdue was good. You know, they went to the Elite Eight. But the next year, Purdue was rebuilding. They were not great, and they still waxed MSU. So there have been a lot of disasters in that building. Uh, Purdue won tonight, just as we're recording. We just saw them. Uh, I just watched them barely hold off Michigan. Um, and, and so it continued. I think they won by five, and Michigan didn't have Jet Howard. So it, it continues that they keep winning and in the one loss column, which is all that counts in terms of determining a big 10 champ, they're clearly separating from the pack. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I suspect, you know, by the time that game rolls around, I didn't look at who Rutgers is playing, but Purdue might have a four game lead or three game lead over everybody in the loss column. And we're at the halfway point. It's it would have to be a monumental collapse for them to lose this thing. You think, yeah. But but that said, they're not playing great basketball. You know great teams when you see them. We've seen enough of them at Michigan State. And I don't believe that Purdue is playing great basketball. They are playing well enough to win, which is what matters. But you know, they barely got by Minnesota the other day shouldn't have beaten michigan state and did shouldn't have beaten nebraska shouldn't have beaten ohio state michigan down a key their second best offensive player um and they barely hold michigan off i mean we'll see I, i'm saying all this to say and we'll talk about it more in the preview i the last thing i would say i'm expecting is a michigan state win because of purdue's record and Michigan State's history in that building. But it's a non-zero kind of event. Sure. They've got a chance. And I think that game in East Lansing, even with the heartbreaking result, I would expect that those guys playing that game without Malik, now they have Malik back, I would suspect that they feel going in, hey, we can play with these guys. So who knows? It would be a hell of a thing. But, you know, honestly, once MSU gets past this game, 
that's that's not to say that there aren't tough games left on the schedule, but things lighten up. Right. They are they have seen, I think, the tougher of the two halves for a variety of reasons in terms of the schedule that they had to play this year, um, have been has been played, has been put in the bank, or or will be once they get past Purdue, which actually takes them to eleven games. Right. Yeah. Um, but- and so then from there, regardless of what happens in West Lafayette, I think that's when you look for MSU and say, okay, this is now the time to really get a rhythm established and, and start playing consistent basketball and maybe string several wins together and feel good about yourself going into March. Right. Yeah. I think they play at North or at Rutgers, although that's in Madison square Garden. It's, a it's Madison square garden, which is a, you know, I'm not like saying it's easy It's kind of neutral, but that's, but that's a game. Yeah. I'd rather play that game in Madison square garden. Absolutely. Yeah than the rack, you know, so that that's what I mean. It's like, that's, that's an advantage. You're already done with your trip to Wisconsin, even though they're, they've been sliding. That's still a building. You don't want to play in. They're already done with their trip to see you. They will be done with their trip to West Lafayette. After this one, they played it in Indiana. I mean, most of those games that you look at would say, eh, it's hard to see MSU winning are done. They're in the rearview mirror. You know, you got two games left against Ohio State. Well, Ohio State's been rough, and that's never been a building that I particularly fear. They got to go to Ann Arbor. They can win in Ann Arbor, Mm -hmm. you know? So even the road games are not, you know, and you've still got, you've got, as I said, two games against Ohio State. You got Maryland, which is a bottom half team right now. You've got a game against Minnesota left. You know, there's some games left out there on the schedule that, None of them are gimmies, but you know, a trip to Nebraska, you know, there are games that if you're Michigan state, you look at and you say, yeah, in the greater scheme of things, those are easier than what we've already played. Yep. No question. Yeah. The only, I guess you could say, well, they got six, six of the last 10 are on the road, which is always harder. And those are always hard games. But like you said, the competition changes as well. And overall, you know, it's, it's an unbalanced schedule and there's not much you can do about that. And I know Michigan fans were, um, I guess, you know, they were fortunate in some ways that they had a fairly easy schedule, but you know, you don't know what it's going to be. You don't know what it's going to be. You don't know who's really going to be tough, you know, one year to the next, but the, I know what you're going to come back with and say, well, the problem is for Michigan is they have very few opportunities to get good quality wins and they missed one tonight against Purdue and they're, they're vanishingly small. They've got Michigan state, I suppose. And I mean, there's, it's, gonna be I hard think, it, yeah, I look, I think they really needed that one. And I think it's going to be tough. I mean, not, not to spend too much time. We'll plenty of time later to talk yeah. about them, but um, I think they're in a really, really, really bad spot. And I, you know, I've said this about teams before at this time of the year, no, no longer ago than Rutgers last season. I think it was in late <laughs> January and I said, they're done. They just, I don't see the path. Part of that was that I just didn't see them going on the run that they did against quality opposition. Right. Um, the problem Michigan's got is they are facing teams that I think provide quality opposition, but maybe aren't the kind of marquee victories that they need to build a resume because frankly, they don't have a resume right now. Their resume sits at zero. Yeah. So um, it's going to be tough for them. But anyway, um, we got plenty of time. We'll talk about Purdue um, going into that game on Sunday, but um, you know, I, um, I can't say, I can't say I come out of this game 
doing cartwheels, but it's a lot better to have a win than than the, uh, than the other option. So you take it, you run with it and you look to get better on Sunday. With all the injuries to come out six and four in the first half of the Big Ten season, you yep. guys feel like, you know. Absolutely. You survived, and now maybe you can hit some cruise control and start pulling, piling up some wins. Hopefully that's the case. Well, we'll be back for that game and talk about Purdue in just a little bit. And until next time, the Final Four is on the schedule. Go Green. <laughs> At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.